0: Like I could, I could be stubborn and fall into old habits and just stay there and pretend to be okay. Like, but I've gotten really not good at pretending to be okay anymore. You know, I have to, I have to give it up to, <laughs> I have to give it up to someone to something else, and I have to be patient with the process. Like, this has the pandemic hasn't been easy. Sobriety hasn't been easy. You know. Dealing with, you know, dealing with my childhood trauma hasn't been easy, but I have to, you know, I have to, I have to let, let it go. I have to let go to, to, I have to give it to something else. I can't just try to hold on to it myself and like stay, you know, put my, you know, dig my feet in the sand and just be like, I'm going to stay here because like that's, that would, that's unhealthy for me. Even if I'm trying to do right, that's unhealthy. Like that's, that's the white knuckle version of, of sobriety for me. Because I could do all the right things and say all the right things and, you know, not be doing all the right things and saying all the right things when no one's looking.
1: The Your Life After podcast is a place where people can talk about the lives they lead after traumas. This podcast will feature survivors, victims, and professionals sharing their experiences, expertise, insights, and struggles. The goal here is not to showcase stories of triumph, though I'm sure some of those stories will be triumphant. The goal is to shine a light on our own shared humanity and to perhaps encourage someone to move forward through their own trauma. I'm your host, Robin Dunbryant. I'm a coach who helps people heal from the physiological effects of generational trauma, sexual abuse, and sexual assault. Let's get talking, shall we? I'm doing a special series of interviews to talk about the individual and collective trauma we're living in because of the coronavirus pandemic. Though I'm recognizing the anxiety and fear that people are expressing, What I'm also noticing are those deep and meaningful shifts that people are experiencing. It's not unusual for my husband and me to take note of something new that we're doing for ourselves or in our roles as partners and parents and say, when we go back out, we want to keep this. This is the driving force for these interviews. The question I have for myself and for my guests is how can we use the knowledge that we have and the insight from this experience? to make these shifts lasting changes. Welcome to the show, Latif Bryant. How are you today?
0: I'm doing great, how about you?
1: You know, I really can't complain. Um, I'm really happy to have you on here on uh, Your Life After. And I wanna kind of fully disclose to the audience, just in case they haven't picked up on it, that you and I go way back, right? Yeah, um, we sure do. Yeah, we're, we're married. And we've been together since the early two thousands. I don't remember exactly the dates, I think that's right. I have no idea. Um, but I, I wanted to talk to you because some of the conversations that we've had since we started this COVID nineteen quarantine have really helped shape the direction of this this series for this podcast. Um mm-hmm. so can you tell us a little bit about where you were mentally and emotionally right before the quarantine started?
0: well i mean on the outside i was um i was buttoned up you know it was presentable and um and and i had my stuff together i mean i had a i was working a good job i was you know i was doing good work in the community and um and i identify with that so um you know like that that's a part of me it's a part of who i am so on the outside outwardly i think i was um I I looked good but on the inside I was just you know I was just a wreck you know and um I mean that's the really I think that's the beginning and end of it, <laughs> you know it's just like a tale of two cities man like you know when I present in front of people I I present like you know like I'm the shit like I got everything going on for me and um and meanwhile you know I'm having conversations with folks and in my head I'm going like oh my god I can't believe you know I, I, I can't deal with with this person or this thing or that thing like I was just I was just going through I was going through that I was very much wanting to uh I'm an introvert so I was very much wanting to not deal with people so before the
1: quarantine you were feeling like you needed a little space and time from people yes was that yes. I, I know that there part of that is like a cyclical thing. Um mm-hmm. because you were working, you know, at that point school was in and, and your work is connected to school. Do you think yep. it had something to do with that or was it a little bit
0: different? Uh definitely. Um the the position I was in required a lot of juggling and required a lot of um a lot of interpersonal skills and like and soft skills and things that you know, from a business stance, I'm good at you know things that I can, like I said, what I I can, I can button up and I can present well. But things that I really, I think in my personal life, I struggle with, and um, and I don't do a great job of. So I, I just was, I I think I come to a point where at the around this time in the school year, around was it like March or something, I start. You know, I start seeing the writing on the wall. I start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and I'm like, man, it's, it's such a small light. I wish we could get there. And, um, so that I can get to the summer and take, you know, take a breath and, you know, get a chance to kind of, kind of recharge and get back to feeling like myself. And I just, I didn't have any opportunity to do that because from the time I started in August, to the time I finished it was give like even over the christmas break i I didn't work Christmas, you were there um uh, but but, but I spent all of Christmas break, you know, trying to hire for for the spring semester, so I was taking calls you know ridiculous hours of the day and it was it was definitely a lot of give and you know it was for a good cause, so it wasn't like it was something that i I didn't want to do It's it just, you know, it, I don't want to say it eats at me, but it does pick at you. It, it picks at me, it picked at me, much like it did when I was a school teacher, when I was a paraprofessional, and when I was even a coach with champions. You know, like it, it just, you know, it just started to pick at me a little bit. And this year, it, it started picking a little bit early. And I think part of the reason why is like I didn't have any of that downtime that other folks had. Like spring break, I'm hiring folks. No, no, we didn't even get the spring break. Uh, winter break. I'm hiring folks. I'm working. Um, I had project after on top of project that I'm trying to get done. And, um, and really no time, you know, no time to myself, no time to focus on like the things that I needed to, to do for myself to stay healthy and sane.
1: What's so interesting too, like you, you're self admittedly an introvert. Um, and, and thank goodness. I mean, in this, in this time that we all are, I think even even our five-year-old, to a certain extent, is, you know, more introverted. He seems to – he has these moments where he's like, I really want to meet my friends. I want to see my friends. But for the most part, we're all pretty content at home. But it's been a long, long time since you'd had any of that time to recharge and any of that time to kind of come back into a space and be grounded and centered Um, because we've been running – you know, we work between us, what, five jobs between the two of us? And,
0: yeah.
1: uh, you know, we've got a kid and a couple of dogs and, you know, to do all this adult stuff. And and it hadn't, you hadn't really had a break in a really long time. Yeah. Um, it had been a good long time because of so many ebbs and flows in 2019. You know, we thought that year was a dumpster fire. And then, whew, you know. 2020 is like, <laughs> hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> So let's let's talk about this here. Let's go back just a little bit, because okay. one of the things that you talked about in your in your bio was that you find that your experiences on the mat. You're a, a Brazilian jiu jitsu black belts. Um, you did another type of jiu jitsu when we first met. You did yeah. karate when you were a kid. You've done judo. You you are, you know, a, a well decorated person in martial arts. And And one of the things that you said was that your experiences on the mat were really necessary paths for you to take as the result of the traumas that you had, um, in your lifetime. What did, what did you mean by
0: that? Oh uh, man, that's a good question. Um, well, the whole reason I got into martial arts, like by the, the, I won't say it was the first trauma, but it was the first trauma that I were, that I can recall like as a, as a, as an actual, was like a functioning child or, <laughs> You know, a child who's aware of the world. Um, you know, when I was six or seven, um, I got my arm broken by a bully, a bully kid. Like, you know, we were all playing, playing football or something. And, you know, I don't want to say it could have been an accident, but I don't think it was. But the, you know, the whole, the idea behind it was when I went home with my broken arm and talked to my dad about it, he was like, all right, well, you know what? We got to teach you how to fight. And, you know, so. Sure enough, he, he signs me up to go to Bill Richardson's Karate do in Mount Vernon, New York. You know, I was, I was in the back, you know, with all the other white belts and kids who had no clue what was happening. And they, you know, everybody's doing push-ups. And um, I was like, I didn't know what to do because I only had one arm. I'd never, you know, done push-ups with one arm. And, and I'm going like, he's looking at me like, what are you doing, son? And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, do a push-up. I was like, I only have one arm. He was like, use it. And I think it was in that moment. Um, I don't know if, if I kind of recall that, and that, but that was kind of like the awakening of, like this, uh, uh, like this, no longer a victim uh, way of life.
1: Yeah, it's it's so interesting. I think it's. Um, I can't remember if it was you I was talking to or somebody else. I mean, it, it, I've been talking about this this kind of quality of this time right where you know all we have now are the the, the little things that we keep ourselves amused with but our lives have slowed down so exponentially yeah. that really at the end of the day all we have are our own thoughts and and our own feelings and our own ideas about who yeah. we are and how we want to exist and um and if we run from them we can busy ourselves in all these different sorts of ways but if we sink into them you know and the way that I feel like you and I are doing right now individually and collectively, like it really allows things to come into focus in a different sort of way.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's definitely been us. We've had several conversations about about this and and how we're going to, you know, maximize the time. So, I mean, I think one of the things I said was like, I just want to come out of this whole situation a better person than the person I came into the situation. And that was before I got furloughed.
1: (laughs) Right,
0: so you know, I was like, man, it was I was I could comfortably come out of this situation a better person, and now I'm like, I don't know. I gotta I gotta hustle. I gotta hustle a little bit different. I gotta think about some 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 different, you know, revenue streams.
1: So talk. Let's. You you've kind of alluded to this a little bit. Um. You know, people often have this idea of this. You know this beautiful healing journey, right? Like I think everybody mm-hmm. thinks that you know the the journey that they're going to take through something that's really hard is going to be as simple as you know the, the the ride to work every day, right? Where you can kind of go on autopilot. You get in the car, you show up there, even though you you're not really awake yet. You're kind of still spaced out. And and what we we know about it is it's it is more like the hero's journey. It's more like the Odyssey, mm-hmm. right? Where you yeah. get a little bit forward and then you get you get waylaid and you get, you know, move back and forth in all these different ways. You know, you're blown off course for 20 years and then, you know, finally you get yourself back together. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about your hero's journey. What is this has this path towards healing been like for you?
0: I mean, it's been it's, it's been just like Odysseus, man. That's why that whole like the Iliad and the Odyssey and then them books speak to me. Um, because it's, it's just full of ups and downs. Like, you know, it, the, the, the path to, 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 to healing starts with like, starts with a decision, I think, you know, I mean, was, I guess it starts with trauma, but, but, you know, once you're, you know, once you get through that, you got to come to a point where you're like, man, I just don't want to be stuck in this no more. And, um, and I, I, I mean, don't no, you've been there with me. Several times I've been like, I don't want to be stuck here no more. And, you know, I make a decision to do something to improve my lot in life and to get, you know, to get past this, you know, to get, get past my childhood trauma and, and to, to, to be able to have like better relationships with you and with just other people in general. And, you know, you make the decision and like as soon as you walk out the door, it's like, it's like Chicago wind hitting you when you walk, you know, when you walk past the building, it's like, and then, you know, like you're flattened. And those are your first steps. You know, like usually, like, I don't know, for me, my first steps were all missteps and failures and, um, like big raging failures. And, um, I don't know, it's every time there's this failure in me, there's also, A part of me that's like you know you got to get up you got to move your feet you got to try again you got to figure out a different way or you got to do the way that you did that you were doing it you got to you got to do it better whatever it takes is is kind of where my you know that's not always where my mind's been too like there have been moments you know there have been moments in 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 recovery that um you know i i say i want something and i i don't and i don't go for it and um it's evident when the fall happens it's like wow dude you really descended into chaos you know and i sense it i can i can feel it when it's happening you know and it doesn't. It's not like I feel it when I I made the first bad decision. I feel it months later, where I'm like, you know, I'm gonna turn it around tomorrow. You know, and um. So I've I've had a lot of moments like that too, you know, with regards to recovery and you know, dealing you know dealing with my childhood trauma and all that. Um. It's just lots of lots of ups and downs, you know. Some success, lots of failure, you know, and you know always for me always a decision to get back up always like if if for nothing else, like i I don't quit <laughs> i i don't I don't know if there's any other way to say it
1: I think that's that's succinct enough, yeah, you said something to me a few weeks ago that I found kind of interesting, right. Um, just kind of a difference in language than, than what I might use for myself or what I might hear my clients talk about. You said that you don't consider yourself healed. That wasn't the word that you used. Um, mm-hmm. how do you describe where you are in this, I don't want to, journey, this transformation. How do you describe the shift that's happened for you?
0: Um, I would say it's definitely in process. A better word would be, like healed implies that, you know, the wound has, has healed, the scab is gone and all that's left is a scar. And that's not it. Like, um, you know, what I'm dealing with, uh, with regards to, you know, to my past and, you know, my, my struggles with addiction, um, is, you know, a scab that I'm constantly picking at and I'm trying to get to that point where it becomes just a scar. Um so healing would be I think a better word and I think when we were having that conversation, I you know, I didn't have that word in me. I don't know, it might have been at three in the morning when we were having it. So that's that's also the problem. But um in process or healing would be a better description because I don't I don't necessarily think I'm where I wanna be, if that makes sense. Um like, I feel like I'm in a good place, but I feel like there are better places for me. There are better things to come for me. So, um, so it's always, um, it's always in process until it's not. You know, until I know, like, yeah, I'm, I'm all right for real, for real. Like right now, like, I'm just fighting and I'm a black belt, so I know I can fight. And I know I have stamina, so I can just keep on doing it and you know, and it's like every day it's a it's a decision to wake up and and stay in the you know stay in the struggle um and every day it's a struggle like I think when I wake up and i'm like it's not a struggle that's that's healed
1: well you it's so funny that you you would use that analogy um because i I really think about what it is that you've told me about people as they're learning and moving through the ranks, right? I mean, I'm not saying that black belts don't fight, right? If they're they're grappling or whatever, they're definitely engaged in that, but there is a level of finesse that comes there where maybe what you're describing is white belt or near blue belt energy, right? Where you're <laughs> Yes. Yeah.
0: Definitely. Still kind of a little
1: frantic, still all over the place, still kind of spazzing out. Definitely.
0: Like you know? I have um, the, the, the difference between like black belts and blue belts, if I can use, you know, just build on the analogy. It's like, you know, black belts have the time you said, they have the timing and the finesse and, you know, they have these like clear, direct paths that they want to go down and they can direct the fight to that path. And like the blue belt just... They know what they need to know in order to be a black belt they have no context and like kind of where i am now is um i know what i need to know and i'm gaining context so like i'm like a little bit better than a new blue belt so blue belt with
1: stripes perhaps yeah
0: like yeah new blue belts are idiots
1: So anybody from the dojo that's listening is like, oh, and then they're like, yeah, that's kind of true. Right. Uh Okay, All right. I love that, though, because that 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 really makes it contextually yours. Right. If you're talking about your own path and your own healing. And even if you if you look at it, maybe I'm not I'm not being prescriptive, but I would think about this as as I look at the way that I kind of move through. Am I doing okay? Am I all right for me? Mm -hmm. Um, I always think about uh falling off the wagon and not in a um an alcoholic sense but in the Oregon trail sense like yeah. I can see the wagon in the distance ahead of me and mm-hmm. I gotta catch up to it. Uh yeah. maybe it's about gaining and losing stripes, right? Like yeah. moving up and down in rank or you know being tested and passing the tests or being uh-huh. tested and having to go back. Um that feels really that feels potentially really rich.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, the thing is, is every time I fail, like I fail with the knowledge that you know that I left with, so like I have some place, you know, I, I have a starting point. So it's not like, you know, it's not like I, you know, I, I, I screw up and then I forget everything. You know, I, I may for a minute feel helpless, but it's like, but I understand that I have so many tools in my tool belt to to fall back on, and um. It's just a matter of accessing them properly. That's been tough because jujitsu is one of them. And, um, you know, I've, I've had to fill my life with a lot of, a lot of other, otherness, which is a, it's also been rewarding though. Like I, I was just like, I think today was the first day I I mentioned to, um, mentioned to a friend that I missed trying to choke him. And, uh, <laughs> and, I mean, that's sincere. Like it's been, how long has, how long have we been in quarantine? Like, maybe seven mid, weeks
1: yeah
0: it's been it's been like a good
1: weeks, while right? seven weeks i think yeah yeah
0: so for seven weeks i've been like i mean maybe it's in the back of my head i'm missing choking folks but like today i was like man i felt compelled to say it to someone because i really do miss choking him trying to at least because he's tough um and uh Man, I completely lost my train of thought. I'm <laughs> so You're
1: like, oh, I get to choke people. Let's come back. We'll yeah, come back. Yeah, right?
0: Them. No, I thought this was a jujitsu podcast for a second <laughs> as much as I was talking about choking folks. But yeah, just, no, like. I'm
1: just trying to make the connection with you. That's, that's it. No, that's what we're doing. No, I like That's
0: what I was talking about. I remember now, like, uh, every time I fall, I fall with the knowledge that I, that I had previously. And that's, that's always a good thing. That, you know that's been a good thing for me because I could always come back to you know to a number of different tools to to try to try and write my ship and um you know i don't it's it's a matter of of how you use them i think I've been spending this time you know not even having a a full toolbox but but having um you know just having a healthier perspective you know i've done I've done a lot of work you know for myself and I've gained a, a great measure of context into who I am and like, you know, what you know, just kinda how um invasive, you know, my addiction problems are. And I don't know, I'm I'm just on like I'm on high alert, but I'm not stressed. Like in the past I've been on high alert and I'm like and I'm wired. And I'm just I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. And now you know, I'm on high alert, but yeah, I just don't feel like I don't want to say I'm not worried, you know. I always worry about, you know, falling back into old patterns because again, it's a decision and it's a split second decision and you know, if I fall into old habits, like it'll be three, four months later I'm going like, Yeah, hey, I'll I'll get out of it tomorrow. You know, I'll 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 fall back on what I know. I'll I'll just swing I'll swing back to normal tomorrow and that's really not how it works. Like it's it's dark. Like coming out of the places I gotta come out of, it's dark. It's scary and it sucks. And um you know and every time I fall back in there I'm like, man, I don't wanna go back. I don't want to go back. And when I go back I'm like, fuck. Like I understand how hard it is for me to climb out of there. You know, and, and even be, you know, to for me to even feel enough uh, enough self-worth to you know to, to claw back to some sense of normalcy is a struggle you know um, yeah that's that's it i don't even remember what the question was i hope i answered it but
1: i, I don't i don't know that that matters right now i think yeah, that, nah. i think that that sort of that sort of earnestness is really you know really much better than, than staying, uh, you're close, you're very close to what we're talking about, by the way, you're not really off the, off the beaten path. I, I, I'm just, uh, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's interesting. I'm really, I'm struck by how earnest you're being. Um, and I know you, I know you, right. We know each other. Um, and even, even still there are things that I'm like, he's saying this out loud knowing that I'm going to use this information. He's saying this out loud. And, and I think that this was really, it's really, it's really interesting for me because of the work that I do. I generally work with women, right? It's, it's very unusual for me to have male clients. You're not a client of mine. Right. But it's, yeah. it's unusual for me to have male clients and to um, kind of see this, but I've seen your process up close and personal. Um, mm-hmm. And I've, you know, it, and you're one of the few men that I've, heard these things from um and I I just think it's really I think it's really interesting and and when you when you said you would do this you know we thought we were going to talk about something else and I started looking at the things that you said you wanted to talk about and I was like we need to talk about him right I need to let him come here and talk about his process and his thoughts and what's going on for him like I would any other person
0: Um, yeah
1: what compelled you to do that like I I was pleasantly surprised and I'm not I'm not asking you that like why why in the world would you do that but like this feels huge to me from knowing you for you to uh, be here doing this.
0: Well, I'm to be honest, I I had no I mean when when it was presented to me that you know this you know the podcast was going to be about like, you know, you, you know, healing and getting past, you know, the, the you know, your traumatic past, I was like well you know it's i'm not afraid to talk about that you know there were other parts like i'm afraid to talk about the addiction part honestly and i said a whole lot about that i so i really came into this like i don't when i was sitting on the we were sitting on the couch earlier and i I was like yeah it's go time like i had no idea what what i was gonna say honestly and how um how deep down my rabbit hole i wanted to go but I, i figured if folks were going, you know, folks were going to tune in and listen to it and um gain some kind of insight, I would have to, you know, not just be surface teeth. Like I couldn't be the dude that that's out in public and buttoned up. It's just it would have been just the whole experience would be better for everyone, including me, if if I allowed myself to open up like and and. I don't know, like I feel my shoulders like starting to relax because I was tense worrying about how saying i have this problem or i had this thing happen to me how that would sound you know like i've said these things in rooms to strangers you know and um and like your your listenership is probably you know folks you know and um and folks that i know and i don't give a fuck if they know um i, I but i also don't give a fuck if a stranger knows now or if one of my teammates knows like i mean i i am who i am you know and and people love me for it they love me because like for who i am
1: i'm just yeah i'm so fucking proud like seriously thank you <laughs> yeah no i'm 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 blown away by that i just i really that that you know for our listenership, this is uh <laughs> this is a man who needs more stripes on his belt, honestly. Um <laughs> this is huge. <laughs> this, this is a huge shift. This is, you know, this this time, this time where you could have been a pain in the ass because you couldn't train, or where you could have spun yourself in all of these different really not good for you ways. Uh-huh. um you have managed to to move through this space with this measure of grace that i've not i've not seen this from you i've never seen this not to this degree um, yeah, me either uh and it's just been it's just really amazing so yeah stripes for you not that, not that i am the black belt that is promoting you but i think you should just put your own damn stripes on at this point like
0: yeah, I can't go back to the school and do that. So. No,
1: no, 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 no. There's, oh, you mean like
0: these are like okay? These are, these are on your blue belt metaphorical stuff. stripes. These are okay. your
1: these are on your healing stripes.
0: <laughs> okay, I got Let you. Let
1: Felipe promote you, promote you. But this is a crazy thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when, one of the things that I think is really interesting too to kind of see this, especially um, you know, as as I think you know, our baby is really he's a boy now, like full on boy yep. um and i see you know it depends for both of you i think you both have to be still at the same time for me to see him in you or you and mm-hmm. him right like i if i look at him on the move he looks a lot like my brother these days that's who he's reminded me of especially the yeah. sort of quirky things that he does like um, the
0: bread oh my the, god the
1: bread oh my god it's it's ridiculous like all of the breads all of yeah. the time um but i i think about that that you know that kind of concept we've talked about before, and you know some folks have done research about this. I think it's really fascinating that idea of like the ghost in the nursery, right? You know, kind of seeing yourself uh, as your kids hit these certain stages and ages. And I know yeah. we're we're coming close to some ages that might be a little sticky for you. Yeah, do you, do you have any idea? You know, if you could if you could talk to Little Latif, or if you are looking at our kid and saying, uh-huh. you know if i could give you advice or words of comfort or something really something to kind of buoy you in these rough waters because we know as much as we want to hold on to him and protect him from everything that you know the world we live in is going to be not kind to him um hopefully yeah. he will not hopefully we will be able to protect him from some of the things that we've dealt with but a lot of the things that that he's just going to deal with because he's a human or because he's a black boy growing up in the United States, God help us, in the South, right? Like uh-huh. you know, things are going to be um part of it. But, you know, some of the familial things, we got some other things going here. We've got some other stuff that's happening. Definitely. But do you have that, an idea of that, of advice or words of comfort, Um, anything that you might go back and say or that you might say currently as our boy gets to be a little older?
0: Well, I think what I would tell little Latif like you know seven six seven eight year old Latif and I would tell him none of this shit was his fault, like he did nothing wrong, and um and that the shit's gonna be okay eventually, you know, but you just gotta keep you just gotta keep getting up like when you get knocked down, you gotta keep getting up when it gets tough, you gotta keep getting up, you know. When you're backed into a corner, <laughs> you gotta pick up a stick and use it. Like, when, I'm gonna take Hanks. I'm gonna tell him take Hanks' advice, man. Use it. Whatever you have near you, pick it up and use it, and and hit someone in the face if you need to, or, or hit your, you know, hit this problem in your face. Um, and I would tell that to my son too. Like, you know, the things that are gonna happen to him at this age, the things that are, ha- that are gonna happen to him at this age, um, are probably not his fault. You know. I yeah. pause for a second because I know that he's going to do something foolish like I did when I was a kid, <laughs> like, like jump down. If he ever finds a flight of stairs, I know he's going to jump down him right. because he's my child. Right. And we have no sense. But, um, so that would be his fault. That would be like the one thing that would be his fault. Um, is his, his, um, he's got a knack for wanting to run into things fast. Like that's, that's that's a dad, that's his dad's quality like i wanted to hit things at full speed um but no i would tell him like most of the stuff is not his fault you know like if his friends are being mean to him you know that that's not his fault you know if he's you know, if he's struggling with, you know, if he's struggling with something you know it's not his fault like you're five man and you really have, like, you have the rest of your life to worry about and assign blame to yourself for for things. You know, I, I didn't really have that luxury or anyone to tell me that when I was eight, that it wasn't my fault. I carried that until I was 40 fucking six. You know, and um, I don't know, that'd be the thing I'd tell them is that it's not your fault, one. Two, if you're in a tight spot, use it. Whatever you got near you, use it um you know whatever weapon you can form against you know your opponent, whether it's like a real opponent or like or um some some issue some matter that you're dealing with, man, just pick up something and, and fight back don't just um don't just accept you know defeat, and you know he's at an age now where like winning is really important to him. So, um, you know, I I would also probably impress upon him that he's not always going to win. Like there's going to be people out there that are just better, you know, better than him, more talented than him, smarter than him, um, work harder than him. Like there's, there's always like, you know, like you may think you're the outlier, but there's always like some other, you know, person who is the outlier of the outliers. And, um, You know, I would just, I don't know, I would, I would tell me it's a fucking bear. You're going to grow up and you're going to be a bear and you're going to be ferocious. And, and so like bathe in that, bathe in that knowledge that like in the wilderness, not a lot of things are going to fuck with you. Yeah. That's what I tell them. That's good stuff.
1: Just just don't 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 cuss though, because he's really picking it up uh quite a bit.
0: <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> all saying all the F, I'm saying all the F words. All the
1: F words. I just Yeah, don't,
0: to to drive the point home.
1: <laughs> I just I we need him to get deep into school before he starts dropping the F bomb so that we can look around and go, We didn't do that. Like if yeah, we no. just bring him and he's fresh, they're gonna be like, What have you all been doing? And it's gonna be terrible. We'll be like, Oh, that was us. That that's our fault. Mm-hmm.
0: I just blame it on his sister. Perfect.
1: There we go. <laughs> tell me, tell me if if you can. We're we're getting close to to wrapping up, and I have a couple questions and I want to just really kind of hear some things from you. If if you had a most important resource in your healing journey, and, and I won't make you say just one thing, but if you have one that kind of bubbles up to the top, but what's been really important? What's helped you? What's helped you? in these shifts that you've that you've needed to make in your life.
0: Ah, oh, man, that's a good question, man. Um I think the one that resonates with me the most and is probably recency bias is is the RRT and it tell them tell them what that means cuz I forget.
1: It's rapid resolution therapy.
0: I knew that. I knew that. I just wanted to hear you say it.
1: Okay. I, um, and I, I make sure that I put it in the show notes as well so people can, <laughs> find, they can find it.
0: But yeah, the RRT <laughs> has helped a lot. It's helped me to, um, to come to the point where I realized that the stuff that happened in my past is nothing I can do about it. And, you know, like fighting your past is like fighting an empty shirt. Like you think you're fighting a person and then like, like you get a moment to be still, and you you hold the shirt still, and you realize like there's nothing in there. That's what that's what you know dealing with your past is like. Or at least that's been my experience. It's been like fighting an empty shirt, and um, and you know, thinking like you're hitting something, and you just you you, know, you you're just whiffing. You you you're just hitting air, and there's nothing there. And the reason why is because um, is you know what RIT's taught me is like. There's nothing I could have done different to change it. Like all those things happened. They were shitty. Um and they sucked, but they already happened and there's nothing like we can't circle back and like I can't circle back and make my sexual abuse not happen. Understanding that I can't circle back to it. Like really, really truly understanding. Like it's taken me a while to to come to that. And I'll and I'll tell you why too. Um it's taken me a while to come to that but understand that i can't circle back to you know to what happened to me when i was eight um just gives me a sense of comfort i can't change it like the only thing i can do is i can be better tomorrow than the person who went to sleep you know um I remember I was in talk therapy I've been in a, a fair my fair share of talk therapies and i had um a therapist tell me that um that the that the abuse that 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 I was describing was um boy boyhood curiosity and it took every ounce of like every fiber of my being to not just beat the shit out this this He was old, so I it would would have been elder abuse is what I would have done. Um, but it took every ounce of like it took every fiber of my body to not beat the hell out of him because you know, as I was trying to explain it to him and trying to explain that like I had, you know, I had these feelings of um you know, I was fearful. I was um I felt like something wasn't right. At eight, I felt like something wasn't right. I was told not to tell anyone about it. Um one of my struggles, and you know this, one of my struggles in life has always been like, just honesty. You know, like you could, you could ask me if the sky is blue and I'd be like, nah, it's purple. And looking at the sky like I know, and I know it's blue. I've just, you know, I, I've struggled with that. And that's a, that was a byproduct of what happened to me when i was eight it stuck with me because you know what i thought when i was eight was if i did tell anyone he would kill me that's what i was told and and um when you're eight you don't really check your check your references and resources like you don't have a like there's no <laughs> there's nowhere to go to look it up and be like man will he really do that you just, you know, when you're eight, you take things for face value. I had a friend when I was eight tell me he had a bicycle ramp in his house. I went to his house and like, motherfucker barely had stairs. You know, but when I, but I believed him and I was like, and I couldn't wait. I took my bike over to his house thinking like I was going to go down a ramp in his house. I didn't have any references to check or any like anything to to note that. That he you know he wasn't telling the truth and i kind of took you know what my abuser said at face value like oh shit like for real well i probably shouldn't say anything about this and i spent my whole life not saying anything about it and then struggling with you know just addiction after addiction about it um Shit, I keep forgetting the questions.
1: (laughs) You've you've answered the question. One of the things we were talking about these resources, and I want to just kind of fill in some blanks for people that are listening because they may not know, right? Like um, the way that you described your response to RRT, there's nothing wrong with that, right? I'm not saying that. But I'm explaining this for people that might be listening because what you said is this thing happened in the past, and I can't change it, which is true but it feels a little light if you don't understand the gravity of it. So let me, let me explain yeah. this for, for folks who are listening.
0: You're the professional.
1: Rapid resolution therapy is, is essentially the closest thing I could use to describe it is like hypnosis, though, you know, nobody swings a clock in front of your face. Nobody counts backwards from 10, but it is a way for us to um, in the conversation with the therapist, reframe the memories and so what ends up happening is is not only the perspective shift that you're describing, but the thing that I like to talk about is that the sting is gone. So the yeah. the example I use for people always is to talk about when I was um, I was probably in sixth grade or going into sixth grade. I can't remember where if it was the summer before or after sixth grade. Um, we went to my parents' hometown to visit and we lived in Indiana. They were both from this town in North Carolina. We went to visit and as we're leaving, this is the final goodbye. We've stopped by my dad's dad's house, so my, my grandfather's house, and mm-hmm. he's standing on the porch. And I was the youngest, and at some point we had called same seats for life. So I'm sitting in the middle, which is ridiculous, right? I have the broadest shoulders out of everybody. But I'm sitting in the middle, and he's standing on the porch, and he would, he would wave you goodbye, right? He's going to wave. My mom is like, he's going to wave until he can't see the car. He's not going to go in, right? And she says to me, do you want to go and give him another hug? And I said, no, I'll do it the next time I see him. And that was the last time I see him, right? He Uh, passed away. That must have been the summer. He passed away in the spring. And uh, for years, that was the memory I would use if I was in. I did some drama stuff in high school. If I had to cry, that was the memory that I would use. If I ever talked about that or remembered that, I would still get, you know, Tickle at the base of my throat, and I would well up, right? Because it was it was incredibly sad. And what our RT does for those memories that still have a visceral response for you is it kind of it kind of takes that sting away from those things, right? Yeah. Um, we won't go in necessarily and talk about all the delightful things that we remember, like that grandfather's wife, my step grandmother, would bake with us. And every time I tell a story about baking with her, I smile because it was a lovely time, right? I don't want to do anything with that. I want to feel that I still want to remember how she smelled in the kitchen and all of those sorts of things. But the things that hurt us, we can go in and talk with somebody. They can help us reframe it. And really, it, it, you know, it says to our brain, oh, let's think about this a little bit differently. Let's see this a little differently so that when we're recounting it, we can tell these stories about things that have happened that were really painful in the same way that we might talk about what we had for breakfast. Um, right. I just just want to fill in that blank a little bit because I I know that you're not being cavalier, but I'm like, boy, that sounds really simple. What he's saying, like, you well, know, and it, and it and it is, but yeah, you know, if you don't take that particular route and you go your standard talk therapy route, you're not gonna you're not gonna come to that same conclusion as quickly. Let's say that
0: yeah, um, for sure,
1: just not gonna do it as quickly as those sessions do. And and just so you know, I think you saw me that. You know, this therapist that was like, oh, this is boyhood exploration. I'm glad that I wasn't there for that session because I would not have been cool about it. And here we are years later, and I'm still like, bitch, you know what I mean?
0: Anyway. Yeah, no, I I mean, it's one of those things that, like, it was re-traumatizing. Yes. And, you know, I just, and I I, I don't know, this was one of, this is that particular, I can't remember his name, but. Dealing with that dude, I was like, well, this seems like something I want to talk about. Like uh, that seemed to, and, and it, however I was going to fit fit him into the conversation, I was going to fit him because, <laughs> you know, like when you talk about, like when you talk about trauma, like they, it can be a number of different things. Like I said, the first one that I can remember, the first kind of like victimization that I felt was, you know, the six year old, you know, getting my arm broken, you know, playing you know, playing games. At, it was at my friend Andy Smooth's house. Um, like I remember all of them vividly, and like that was one of those ones. Like it stung, and you know, sent me into a tailspin. Like I, it took me a good, it took me a hot minute to recover from that. You know, so
1: yeah, yeah nice doc.
0: Exactly. <laughs>
1: Exactly. And that's I mean that's the, the you know the, the crazy thing is people, you know, really need to be well prepared and well versed to do that kind of work. Right? It ain't yeah. for everybody. Right. No. And and people should know they should know what their capacity is for that and they should know yeah. what it means to be thoughtful and mindful. And I don't want to say strategic, but I don't want to feel manipulative, but, but strategic in the way that they speak to people. Because if yeah. you're coming from a lens where you're like, I understand that this person has been traumatized, you're not going to say some stupid shit like that. Right? So, oh, I right. mean, let me, let me take a, let me take a, just a, a beat here. Cause I'm, I'm getting a little hot and that doesn't really do us, that doesn't do us very much good. Let me, <laughs> let me try to keep myself no, together. All right. Um, <laughs> well, let me, let me do this because, uh, this is, this is lovely. We could do this all night, but I, I want to make sure that I, you know, I pay attention to our time. We've got stuff we've got to do. We've got to be prepared for, you know, small beings wanting us in the morning. Either dogs mm-hmm. or children are going to be looking at us. Um, one of the questions I want to make sure that I'm asking folks is, is kind of the, the driving factor in this series of conversations around this thing that is happening to people in this quarantine. And I want to know for you, you know, how, how do you think you're going to use the knowledge that you have and the insights that you're gaining from this experience to make lasting changes in your life? How are you going to keep this stuff and move it forward? Do you have an idea about that right now?
0: Um, uh, I don't think I have a fully fleshed out idea. Like the one thing I know this whole experience has taught me is, is it's taught me, it's taught me patience and, and, um, What's the opposite of stubbornness? Because I'm stubborn. Like I'm definitely I'm Walter's child. But what's the opposite of that?
1: I have no idea. I'm not sure what that what that what that I means. I mean,
0: good lord! Like, between our four college degrees, we can't come up with. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and two of mine are in English. But I'm just gonna I'm gonna blame chemo <laughs> and a global pandemic on the fact that my brain <laughs> cannot come up with. The opposite of stubborn, right now. You're well, welcome to use at least the pandemic, if you would like, okay. And football.
0: Okay. I got. I have, I have pandemic brain and traumatic, and yeah, <laughs> I have a, I have a head injuries. There we you go. Know that, yeah.
1: So you're you're lots, not. Lots stubborn. of concussions. You're you're I'm unstubborn. I'm
0: that, unstubborn. That's a good <laughs> word. That's okay. Let's coin it. Let's put that in Webster's. So, okay. anyways, patience, for sure, um, because this whole. This whole pandemic has kind of flipped my life on its head, and um, i could I could easily go back into old habits i mean I did too, but I could easily like stay there I could easily stay in these old patterns um but but one thing I've learned is is to you know I've, I've learned to be patient and I've learned to kind of like not be I've learned to be unstubborn like to kind of get out of my way unstubborn um so because you
1: could could acquiesce yes you could consent or cooperate
0: I could I could acquiesce to a to a higher consciousness there we go go. look at that there we go hella woke but yeah I could yes I could acquiesce to a higher consciousness like I mean if if I could think of another way to say it I I would but that's because that sounds really hokey Now that I'm listening to it, but it's true. Like I I could, I could be stubborn and fall into old habits and just stay there and pretend to be okay. Like, but I've gotten really not good at pretending to be okay anymore. You know, I have to have to give it up to (laughs) I have to give it up to someone to something else, and I have to be patient with the process. Like. This hasn't, the pandemic hasn't been easy. Sobriety hasn't been easy. You know, dealing with, you know, dealing with my childhood trauma hasn't been easy. But I have to, you know, I have to, I have to let, let it go. I have to let go to, to, I have to give it to something else. I can't just try to hold on to it myself and like stay, you know, put my, you know, dig my feet in the sand and just be like, I'm going to stay here because like that's, that would, that's unhealthy for me. Even if I'm trying to do right, that's unhealthy. Like that's, that's the white knuckle version of, of sobriety for me. Cause I could do all the right things and say all the right things and, you know, not be doing all the right things and saying all the right things when no one's looking. Right. And, you know, I'm just trying to, trying to be that, be that person. Like, what was it? Uh, I always used to say this to kids, like, cause, you know, my students, they would always like, Lie to me about stuff. Like, did you hit that kid? No, I hit up Like, I just saw you hit the kid. Um, but like, they would have like these like oh, character issues, let's say. And um, you know, character is like it's not who you are when people are looking; it's who you are when people aren't looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm trying to like the person that I am when people are looking. I'm trying to be that person when people aren't looking and that's the, you know, that's the fight. That's where the, you know, that's kind of like, you know, you slap dap and you get ready to like go at each other's throats. That's where the fight starts for me. And I have to, you know, I, I can't be, you know, I can't be stubborn in that fight. I just have, I have to take it as it comes to me. I can't, um you know, I can't just will myself to victory all the time. So I want to be healed, like in the sense of, there's just a scar left healed. But, um but I know I'm not there yet. So wanting it, you know, having the desire, like the desire to have it and actually having it are, are two different things. Like I, I, I'm at a point now where I recognize the difference. And, um yeah, you know, I just have to be patient and wait for that, you know, wait for that moment where, yeah, it's just a scar now. I'm not, I'm not picking at the scab or, it's not still bleeding, or I'm not gashed completely wide open, like with the Band-Aid over like a like a like a, a shotgun wound.
1: But I really love I really love that that idea of um, of you know the person that other the, you know doing the right thing and being buttoned, not buttoned up but buttoned up right mm-hmm. looking like you're doing the right thing and. And also doing the right thing when nobody's looking. I think uh-huh. you said something about that, and I really love that. I think that that's just super, super valuable. So I'm gonna, we're gonna move into the close here. Just all like, right. Just a second. I'm just gonna I'm gonna write this down. Awesome, Latif. Thank you so much. I know this is, you know, we're <laughs> we're recording this well past your bedtime. I really appreciate. Um, I think that that's just absolutely amazing. Um, I will make sure that I shout out your, your dojo in the show notes. I know that that's an important place for you and um, anything else that we've talked about. Um, but I just, again, I'm, I'm just, I'm really fucking proud of the person that showed up for this, for this call. Um, I'm really, I'm, I'm excited to hear you know, kind of this thought in your story and, and excited to see what happens as we go forward. So thank you. Thank you so You're welcome. Thanks for
0: having me on. This was like truly, truly an honor.
1: thanks for joining us this week on your life after this podcast is made possible by the generous support of our patrons if you enjoyed the show please subscribe so you'll never miss out information about becoming a patron show notes and transcripts from today's episode can be found on our website wsw.center slash your life after That's WSW.center slash yourlifeafter, or just go to the homepage and click podcast from the main menu. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next time. Be peaceful.